My wife, Corey, and I have four kids, and uh, Cooper's 10, Branson's 8, Tucker will be 6 in just a few weeks, and little Miss Kinley kind of runs the house as a three-year-old. She'll be four this summer on my birthday. We share a birthday. But uh, if you have multiple kids, you probably have something similar to what we have in that each of them has a very distinct personality. And as a part of those distinct personalities, you know that you probably have, you know, one that's kind of a daredevil and one that's kind of mischievous and then one that maybe is a little more cautious. And you might have a a variety of those or it kind of mixes up in the pattern, but they've done all kinds of studies about the oldest and the middle and the youngest and babies and only children. And they kind of do this research to determine the personality types of these different types of kids depending on their birth order. I'm an oldest child in my family, and so I recognize a lot of the things that I see in my oldest son, Cooper, who is 10 years old. He's in fourth grade, and he's a great kid. He's, he's athletic. He's smart. He's funny. He, he's a great kid. He's not perfect by any stretch, though if you ask him, he might tell you he is. But one of the things about Cooper that I recognize that I, I really carried a lot of the same things is his uh, cautiousness. You know, he, he, he tends to be a pretty confident kid in a lot of respects, but one of the things about Cooper that I remember being as a, maybe a grade schooler, even into middle school a little bit, is, is that kind of sense of caution and not wanting to just run out there and chart new territory and kind of be the first to try things. That's really one of the reasons that he gets in trouble is because he will kind of get his younger siblings to try things instead of him to make sure it's safe so that then he can try them once he knows that it's okay. He loves to play baseball, but he hates, even though he's a good baseball player, he hates to bat leadoff. Leadoff is that first hitter in the lineup. Uh, we're in kid pitch now, and he's facing kids that can throw a little harder. And, and even though he's a good baseball player, and even though he's faced just about every pitcher we have in our league, and he's been able to hit off of every one of those kids, uh, he's really cautious, and so he doesn't want to be the first batter. He wants to be the second batter, because he wants to watch one of his teammates face that pitcher just to make sure, oh yeah, I remember this this guy, I can hit this guy, and then he steps in with a lot of confidence. But this last week at his school, and maybe at some schools of your kids, if they're, if they're in grade school, they began standardized testing. And so Cooper, as a fourth grader, kind of entered into a new phase of that standardized testing, and it was kind of a new system this year, and the ways that they're doing it are a little different. And that cautious sense that he has kind of crept up a little bit as they were beginning the testing on Thursday. Now, we've known it was coming for months, uh, and, and we've been talking about it in our house, and Cooper would remind us every few weeks that they had practiced something in their class, that testing was coming, and so their teacher was helping them to know how to be successful and how to have good study habits and how to take the test well and that kind of thing. But we knew coming out of spring break a week or so ago that by the end of that first week back in school, we would begin the testing. And so Thursday came and Cooper gets in the car. I take them to school most mornings, my three boys that are in school. And Cooper gets in the car and I can see on his face, there's something different about today. And so we get in the car and we start the drive from our house to our school, which is just a few miles. And during that drive, his brothers are talking and things like that. But Cooper's a little quiet and he's a little more reserved. And so I looked at him at one point and I said, Cooper, are you okay? And he said, man, dad, I'm, I'm worried today. I said, well, what are you worried about? And he said, well, I'm just, I'm worried about this testing today. And I, I tried to remind him that he's a good student and he just got his report card and his grades were good. I reminded him that he tends to even pick up things well that he doesn't know. So if there was something he faced on the test that he wasn't really sure about, that he could probably kind of figure it out on his own. And I told him, I said, well, we'll pray before you get out of the car that the Lord will help you. 
And we did. And his brothers prayed for him. It was a really sweet kind of parent moment there for me. I was like, hey, my kids actually know how to pray. That's awesome. And so they did that. And so they're getting out of the car. And I can still see on Cooper's face, man, he's worried. Now, maybe you would call it something different. Maybe he wasn't as worried as he was just nervous or a little bit anxious. When he came home from school on Thursday, I said, hey, how did it go? And he's like, it went great. Everything was fine. You know, we did the reading portion. It took a little longer today. But I could see that it was a little bit easier. And so when he goes back into testing this next week, he'll have maybe a little more comfort. But I can assure you, just because I know him, that on Monday, he's going to tell me again, Dad, I'm worried about testing. And maybe it's not worry, maybe it's nervousness, maybe it's anxiousness, but I would love as a father to be able to take those emotions away from him. And I know if you're a parent that you've probably experienced days like that as well, where you want to take that that worry away from your kids. You want to take that nervousness, that anxiety away from them, but I can't. And not only that, but it's not just kids that get worried It's not just kids that get anxious. This past week, in anticipation of today, I just asked a pretty simple question on Twitter and Facebook to those that I'm friends with or or follow me on Twitter. I just said, hey, what do you worry about? And a lot of things that I got, these were interesting. These were just some of the public responses. I got others that were private responses because they didn't want to put it out there in a public forum. But here's just a few of, of the responses that came back. I worry about not succeeding in life. I worry about letting people down. I worry about making decisions or taking risks that jeopardize security for other people. I worry about getting older. I worry about unfulfilled dreams in my life. I worry about my children and them growing up and making good decisions. I worry about career choices. I worry about the future. I worry if I'm doing enough. I worry about missing out on what God has for me because I let the world get in the way a lot. I worry about my past. You know, and if I were to sum these things up, and it's difficult to do that because I know we all worry about different kinds of things, but I tried to summarize based on the responses that I got and conversations that I had this week with a bunch of folks. Here's a few things that I think are some of our biggest worries. Again, these are not all, uh, this is not an exhaustive list, but those biggest worries that we have. Some type of success. We worry, are we successful? Are we doing enough? Are we doing the right thing? Are we keeping up with the Joneses a little bit? And even if it's not that kind of maybe surface level success, are we, doing, uh, are we living up to our potential? We worry about money, making enough, spending the right amount, making sure that the income and expenses line up. We worry about our debt, student loans, all kinds of things that we hear about. We worry about our health or the health of those that we love. It seems like everywhere we turn, they're talking about someone new that was diagnosed with cancer or someone new that was diagnosed with something and doctors don't know how to solve it and we're still trying to throw money and try to research and figure it out. So we worry a lot about our health. We worry about our families. We worry about our kids and our grandkids and our spouses or maybe our future families if we're single. And so we worry about our family members and we try to figure out what's best for them and are we going to be able to be there for them? Can we protect them? Can we keep them from hurting or any harm that they may endure? And we worry about the future. The future is that one thing we just don't know. We know what the past looks like. We've already lived it and we kind of know what the present is because we're in it, but we don't know what the future looks like. And so we worry about the future. We worry about the plans and the dreams and the hopes that we have and are those things going to come to pass and we worry about if we're going to meet the right people and if we're pursuing the right career. We worry if we're majoring in the right thing at college. We worry if we're even choosing the right college or if we should choose college altogether. We just worry about the future. And so those are some things that I would sum it up. And again, when you read this list, you may look at that and go, man, those are none of the things that I worry about. Or I worry about five other things that aren't even on that list. And that's okay. 
Because today, my, my, my attempt is not to kind of grab every single specific individual worry that we may have, but just to talk about worry in general. So even if the things that you worry about are not contained on this list, or I don't reference them specifically, I want you just to think about worry in general. Because worry is something that Jesus talked about. This is not something that we, get, we have to guess about when we're talking about what does the Bible say about worry. It's not something that we have to wonder. What does is, what is the Apostle Paul say? What does Jesus say? What does the church have to say about worry? This is something that Jesus himself dealt with. Over the next four weeks, we're going to enter into a new series called Any Questions. And instead of us asking questions to God, we're going to look at some questions that Jesus asked of those that were following him. And see if for each of us individually, we might look at those questions and go, yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, something that applies to me. That's something that really kind of speaks to the place that I am in my life. And so today we're going to look at worry. So if you have a Bible, flip with me to the book of Matthew, chapter 6. I'm going to try not to choke to death while I'm talking today. But if you've got a Bible, flip to Matthew 6. Or if you've got a smartphone, you can follow along. I'm going to take a drink of water while you're flipping there or you're acting like you're flipping there so you can help me. All right, just act like it. Good job. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 25. This is what it says. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any, of, any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Skip to verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, there's some great stuff in that passage of Scripture This is really the first sermon that Jesus preached when he was here on earth. And so the fact that early in that first sermon, he really spends some time talking about worry means that I think he understood that we as human beings, we would worry, we do worry, and that he needed to help us understand how to process the worry that we had. And so he started right up front in the very first verse that we read, and he said this, don't worry about your life. Now, you can't get much clearer than that. I mean, I could end it right here and say, that's what we should think about worry. Jesus said, don't worry about your life. If you're not worried about your life, there's not really much else you can worry about. But he is using this phrase for us to understand that worry in general is something that he wants us to push aside, something that we should not spend a lot of time doing or worrying about. It's something that we don't have to really guess on because he's very specific in that. But when you hear me say that, or when you read that scripture, if you're anything like me, when you read that, you go, wait a minute though, that, that seems a little unreasonable. That, that seems a little, a little bit like Jesus is not being fair here, because isn't it human nature that we worry? Isn't that something that all of us do? And if we all do that, then, then how is that wrong? Because he created us, he knew that we would naturally worry about these things. Isn't that human nature? Well, kind of. So here's what I want us to do. I don't want to psychoanalyze you. I'm not a counselor by any stretch, but I do want to help us a little bit by diving into our worry and trying to figure out why we worry and what it is that we kind of label as worry and and why we think it's okay, why we think it's a little bit of human nature. The first thing is this. A lot of times we think that worry might be a warning. You ever thought about that? 
we kind of think that if we're worried about something, maybe that's a warning from God, from the cosmos, from our intellect, from our conscience, that if we're worried about something, then that's a warning because we heard of that person one time, some time ago, somewhere else, that right before something bad happened, they had this feeling or this premonition, and so maybe we're having a feeling or a premonition right now, and it means that something bad's about to happen, and so then we get worried that we don't know how to interpret the worry that we have, and what are we supposed to do, and so maybe that's a warning, and maybe we're missing the warning. And I'm going to come back to that in just a minute because I think a lot of us struggle with that idea. Am I missing something here? Is this a warning? How should I respond? What should I do? And so then we just get more and more and more worried about it. And I'll tell you how we, we kind of fall into that trap is because we watch the news and we look at social media and now Facebook's got it where they're just tagging, you know, 11 Alive and Fox 5. And it's like now you were just looking to see who went on vacation for spring break. And now you're seeing there's an Ebola virus that's broke out in Sequoia High School. And you don't know what that means for you and your kids. And is it spread to Dean Rusk? And is it over at Liberty? I mean, like, what's that mean? And oh my gosh, what are we supposed to do? Is this a warning? Should I just take my kids out and homeschool them? And now we're just trying to figure out what am I supposed to do? Is worry a warning? We'll come back to that. Number two. The other thing that we do with worry is sometimes we think that worry is a way of life. Like I said, we assume that worry is something that we all do. It's human nature. It's a way of life. I mean, if we're a parent, aren't we supposed to worry about our kids? As a husband, shouldn't I worry about my wife? And, and as a wife, shouldn't she worry about me? And, and so we think it's a way of life. We assume that it's the way that we're supposed to live. And so let's address these two things specifically for a moment and jump back into some scripture and talk about it. The first thing is this. Worry isn't warning. Worry is not warning. And the reason that I can say this with certainty is because worry is not the voice of God. Worry is not the voice of God. You know what is the voice of God? The voice of God. So if you are concerned about whether or not what you're worried about is a warning, ask yourself this question, does it sound like the voice of God in my life? If it's not the voice of God, then it's not the voice of God. And here's the other thing that I would say, and we'll come back to that in a few minutes, but if you are basing your worry being a warning on the fact that you did hear that one time somewhere somebody that thought that thing, felt that thing right before something bad happened, don't allow that to become the rule for you instead of the anomaly. Don't allow that to be, well, then anytime I feel something, that means it's preceding something bad happening to me. Because think about all the times you've been worried and think about how many times that worry went unrealized. You know, Cooper goes to school worried about his tests and he comes home and says, man, my tests were fine. Does that mean his worry wasn't real? No, it was something he really felt. It was anxiety and it was nerves. And that's a totally human nature response there. But the worry that he felt went unrealized because there wasn't anything that he had to be worried about. He was prepared for that moment. He steps into the box and he's worried, but he's able to hit because he's prepared for that moment. He knows how to respond. Because when God wants to warn us about something, you know what he does? He warns us about something. When we read in scripture, God is not kind of ambiguous. He, he's not painting with broad strokes and broad brushes and having you just kind of sit there in the art museum and look at it and going, well, what do you see? Like, what do you think that means? Now, I know sometimes when we read scripture, we're going, wow, I, I'm not really sure what that means. And, and I would say to you the same thing that I do. My, I, I would pray. I would study 
supplemental material. I, I would listen to sermons. I, I would ask really wise people, what do you think this means? But God is not trying to hide information from you. God is not kind of sitting up in heaven going, okay, watch this. This is going to be awesome. And then he says something, and then you're going, I don't know what that means. And he's like, yes, I tricked him. If you have that view of God, I would say to you that you need to get a better view of God. God is not trying to hide information from you. God is not trying to keep warning away from you. God is not trying to let you walk into unsafe and unhealthy environments all on your own. Now, here's, here's what I would say to you. It could be that you walk into unsafe, unhealthy environments because of poor decisions and because you have neglected the actual voice of God. But God's not hiding from you. God's not keeping information from you. And so worry isn't warning. Warning is warning. The voice of God is the voice of God, not just this worry and this emotion and this feeling that we sometimes tend to feel or conjure up. Jesus told us about a helper that would come that would help us to interpret the things that we felt and try to understand the things that we were about to walk into. In John chapter 14, verse 26 and 27, he says this, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, Jesus is talking about the fact that he's going to be leaving. He says, when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit. He, the Holy Spirit, will teach you everything and he will remind you of everything that I told you. And I am leaving with you a gift. Listen to this. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace that I give you is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled and afraid. The Holy Spirit was the gift of Jesus when he was leaving the earth. And he says, hey, I've got to go away, but I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit with you. He's your advocate. An advocate is a helper. It's someone that kind of stands between you and someone else and helps to represent your case and helps you to process information and helps to set you up to be in the right position. And Jesus said, listen, I'm sending an advocate that's going to help you and is going to be there. And you know what he brings? Peace of mind and peace of heart which sounds to me like the exact opposite thing that I feel when I'm worried. And Jesus said this, he says, when I bring the Holy Spirit to you, when I give you the Holy Spirit, and you experience <clears throat> the peace of mind and the peace of heart, he said, this is different than anything else that the world can provide for you, so don't be troubled and afraid. And so if you are questioning today, is what I'm feeling from God, I would ask you this, are you troubled, are you afraid? And if you are, I don't believe it's from God. Because that's not what scripture speaks to us. Now, does it mean that we're never gonna be troubled? We're never gonna be afraid? Absolutely not. We live in a fallen world where there is sin and mischief and bad stuff, and I get that. And we're going to be surrounded by that, and we're gonna find ourselves in situations. And I think that's the Holy Spirit that is convicting us. I think that's the Holy Spirit that's prompting us to get out of that situation. But I don't think that is expressed as worry. I think there should be a peace in my heart that I know that God is speaking to me because he's my advocate. He gives to me peace of mind and peace of heart. And I shouldn't be troubled and I shouldn't be afraid when I think that it is a warning. If it's of God, then I'll know it's of God. And if I don't know, I've just got to keep pursuing it, keep seeking it. And here's two questions, and I've kind of hit on these a little bit. Here's two questions that I use when I am trying to determine if something is a warning from God or not. Here's the two questions. These will not be on the screen in case you want to write these down. 
Here's the two questions that I ask myself if I'm trying to determine if God is warning me about something. The first is this. Is this a way that God speaks? And is it a way that God speaks to me? We know specifically that God speaks through Scripture. We know that this is the Word of God. It is literally the words of God expressed through humans writing these things down and delivered to us. And so is this something that God's Word speaks to? If it is, then God maybe is speaking to me about something. We know that God speaks, we believe that God speaks in present day, and we we believe that he does that a variety of ways. But is this a way that God speaks? Is it a way that God speaks to me? And I would be careful not to just superimpose what someone else experienced some other time in some other place and go, well, God spoke it to them, or they felt something, or they did something, and so I guess maybe that's what I'm feeling. No, no, no. God is a personal God, and he has a personal relationship with you, and so I think you can ask God, God, are you warning me about something? Are you trying to get me to understand something? And here's the second one. So even if I'm unsure, here's an easy, easy second question if you're unsure. This is the question that I would ask. How am I supposed to act in light of what God has warned me about? How am I supposed to act in light of what God has warned me about? I believe if there isn't a specific response and that it's just that it kind of causes me to worry more, it's not a warning. I think that the way the Holy Spirit works in me, if we go back to John 14, is if I'm supposed to get out of a situation and that's a warning, then there is a specific act required of me. Get out, move, go, stay. Like those are specific things that I feel in my heart. I feel in my spirit. I think God does those things. But, but if it's just something very general, like this is a dangerous world and bad things have happened to kids in the past, well, what am I supposed to do with that? I don't think that's a warning. I think that's just worry. If there's something specific that I am supposed to do in response to the warning that I've received, then I think that might be God speaking to me, speaking through me, speaking into my life. But if there's not a specific action, then I would caution you that it's probably not a warning. It's probably just worry. And I would be careful the voices that you allow to get into your hearts and to get into your minds. What did he say in John 14? He says, the peace that I give to you is a gift that the world can't give. So don't be troubled and afraid. If there are people that you're hanging out with that are constantly causing you to be afraid, they're constantly causing you to be troubled, they're constantly telling you stuff that causes you to worry more and more, I would limit those voices in my life. If there are, if there's, again, I'm not just picking on them, but if if there's news, if there's people on your friend newsfeed, I would unfollow that person. If there's, if there's certain sources of information that you're constantly turning to and it just breeds more and more and more, I'm not talking about sticking our head in the sand, but I'm saying if there are voices that are just breeding more and more worry without giving warning for specific actions, I would limit those voices in my life. So worry isn't warning. Warning is a warning. And the second thing is this. Worry isn't a way of life. Now, I know that probably hits you in a bad way, and you're like, no, I don't think you know what you're talking about, and maybe I don't. Let's go back to God's word and see what he says, because worry isn't a way of life. In fact, it's actually worthless. What did he say in Matthew chapter 6, verse 27? He says, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? This is not Jeremy translation here. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, can you add even a single hour by worrying? What he's saying is, can you change the situation at all? Is there anything that you can do by worrying? No. 
And so if it's a pointless activity, if it does you no good, I don't believe that's something that God is calling you to spend your time doing. Not only that, but what does he say in verse 34? He says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. He says, there is no point for you to worry. Worry isn't a way of life. Worry is worthless because worry doesn't change the situation. It just causes you more and more undue stress and fear. Corey Ten Boom says this, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. Tomorrow's still gonna be what tomorrow's gonna be no matter how much you stress about it today. All worrying about tomorrow does is rob today of its strength. Think about it. When was the last time you were just really, 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 really worried about something in the future? Did it actually change anything about the future? Maybe. If it was a warning, if it was of God and it caused you to kind of do something specific, act in a specific way, then maybe that that caused something. But that wasn't worry, that was a warning. But if you were just worried about something, When was the last time that actually affected change? What did it do? It actually just caused you to freak out today. On that day, you just spent a lot of time just worrying and anxious and wringing your hands and calling people and posting stuff. And man, you gotta pray for me and you gotta, and you're calling people and you're, you know who you call? You don't call people that you wanna talk you out of worry. You know who you call? When you're worried, you usually call people that will worry with you. Don't you? You don't call people like me. They're like, you need to stop worrying about that. You call your friend, that'll be like, I know, I saw the same thing. <laughs> I mean, I did. I, I, I don't know where she gets her source, but man, she posted it, and I saw the same thing, and I'm, I'm worried too. Well, we're going to pull our kids out of school. We're just going to do it. We're, we're going we're gonna to move. We're going to quit driving that kind of car because that, you know, that wheel fell off of that other car in Sacramento, and that's who you call. Do you not? Now, here's why I think this is funny, because in my marriage, this is, this is, you hear my opinion about worry today, okay? This is not an opinion shared by my better half. She worries enough, not just for tomorrow, but for the both of us. And so when she, I got an amen over here, and that sounded like a husband that's probably going to eat lunch by himself today. But you know, you, you know what happens in our house? If I don't give her enough of a response about her worry and concern, she calls her mom. She'll tell me something she's worried about. And I'll be like, you don't need to worry about that. That's okay. It's all right. And then she just leaves. She just walks out of the room. And I know, oh, I blew that one. I probably should have been like, you're right, baby. We do need to get a different car because that wheel fell off in Sacramento. I remember seeing that on my Facebook feed of Sacramento News. <laughs> because that's what, we don't, we don't talk to people that share a different opinion about worry. We talk to people that will help us worry and they will validate our worry. And I would limit those voices. I would limit the, don't quit calling your mom, but I would limit those voices. I took some medicine earlier this morning, but I would limit those voices in my life if you tend to worry and you tend to just kind of flock together with a bunch of worriers because I don't know that that's going to help you get out of your worry. So listen to this in 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning in verse 6. This is what it says. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Stay alert and watch out for your great enemy, the devil. 
He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Now, verse 7 tells us to give all of our worries and cares to God. And why should we do that? Because he cares for us. That's powerful. We'll come back to that in a minute. But I want to focus on verse 6 and verses 8 and 9 just for a moment. In verses 8 and 9, he gives us permission to do something that right now you're arguing in your head. You're going to email me and tell me that I don't know what I'm talking about. Because it should be a way of life. You should be concerned about your kids. You should be worried about your kids. And I agree with you. But here's what 1 Peter chapter 5 tells us, gives us permission to do. It doesn't say that we should worry because it says we should actually take all of our worries and cares and give them to God. But then it says in verse 8, stay alert. It says, watch out for your great enemy, the devil, because he prowls around like like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. You know what you should do instead of worry? You should just watch out for the enemy. That's different than worrying. You should just be on the watch. You know what you should do, parents? You should be watching for things that are trying to devour your kids. And I know just even saying that makes you worry. But you got to give your worry to God. And you should just be on the watch. You know what you should do for the sanctity of your marriage? You should be on the watch for anything that is attempting to rob your marriage of the purity that God designed it for. You shouldn't be worried. You should be on the watch. I think that's what we're called to do. That's what the writer here says. He says, you you can't be worried. Give all. Everybody say all. All. That was good. Say all again. Thank you. You should give all of your worries and cares, not just some of your worries and cares, to God. Why? Because he cares for you and he doesn't want you to carry those things alone. But even as you're giving that worry to him, you need to be on the watch. Because I don't think it's our job to worry about the enemy and to worry about the things that might hurt our children and to worry about the things that might hurt our home and to worry about the sickness or disease that we might get someday down the road. I think we should just be on the watch for the enemy. Now let's jump back to verse six because I think this changes the game for us. Verse six says this, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. Humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. You know what humbling myself under the mighty power of God sounds a lot like for me? Worship. That's what it sounds like for me. Now, I don't know what worship looks like for you. We often describe the first portion of our service as a time of worship. And you're like, well, it's just songs. It's just singing. Why do we call it worship? Because the songs that we're singing and the moments that we're creating or participating in are not just about opening our lips and singing words that we read off a screen. It is about humbling ourselves under the mighty power of God. It's about understanding our position and understanding his power. It's what we prayed at the conclusion of our worship today. God, you're greater than anything we face. I understand with humility, I know what I'm capable of and what I'm not capable of. And so in response to that, I'm asking you in your greatness, in your power, in your sovereignty. I'm asking you in your goodness and your love towards me to respond to me in some way. That's what worship is. And here's what I would say to you. I believe that you can worship away your worry. I believe it. It's not just a a, a rhyming phrase a little bit or an alliteration of something. I believe you can worship away your worry. Because when I worship, 
my attention is actually drawn away from the thing that I'm worrying about. Even if it's just for a moment. If I'm focused on a health issue or a financial need, if I'm worried about my future, if I'm worried if I'm doing enough, if I'm worried about my past, if I just take a moment and I just worship God, I take my attention off of my worry and I put my attention on the object of my worship. To worship means to exalt, to lift high, to reverence. And we worship a lot of things. But I think when we are worshiping God, we can actually worship our way out of worrying. Because we quit focusing on the thing that we're worried about, the fear, the lack of control, the uncertainty. And we take that off and we focus our eyes on the object of our worship. And not just that. He's not just the object of our worship. He is also our helper. Psalm 121 verses 1 and 2 says this. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. There's tons of context here that I don't have time to get into, but you know what I love here? I love the imagery of me walking along and feeling in trouble. Maybe I'm in that moment of the valley of the shadow of death that scripture talks about. Maybe I'm in that moment where the enemies are fighting against me. Maybe I'm in that moment where it's a little bit dark, it's a little bit uncertain, I'm not sure how to make it out, and all of a sudden I lift my eyes from my problems and I lift my eyes up to the problem solver. I take my attention away from my worry and I put my attention on the object of my worship because I believe that worship is a secret weapon. Anytime that I'm stressed... Any time that I'm worried, any time that I'm nervous, any time that I'm anxious, any time that I'm facing temptation, any time, you know what the best weapon for me personally is? Worship. Now, maybe that's not the same for you, but I don't even have to be singing. I tell people all the time, in the 10 years that I was in student ministry, working with middle school and high school and college students, I would say to them all the time, and I use the same technique with my kids. I say, you know what, when you're facing temptation, when something's happening, when you're thinking thoughts you know you shouldn't be thinking, when you're doing things you know you shouldn't be doing, you just need to turn your heart towards God. You need to worship. Now, that sounds like a preacher thing to say. I get it. I don't know how it's to say it better than that because I did it before I was a preacher. I just turn on worship music. I start singing worship music. I pray. I do something because I'm diverting my attention away from my problem. I'm taking my focus off of the worry, off of the concern. It changes the atmosphere for me. The writer of Philippians, who is Paul, he says in chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, in the NIV translation, this is what he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He says this, he says, do not be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything. Don't be nervous about any. He says, listen, when you get in that moment, you just make your petitions known. That just means you just give a prayer request to God. God, I'm nervous about this. I'm worried about this, and I need you to help me here. And then what we're reading in verse 7 is that the peace of God, which can hardly be understood here on earth, it transcends understanding, will guard your heart, Guard your mind. And I know for some of us, that's what we need. 
That's what Jesus promised us, didn't he? He said when the advocate comes, when the helper comes, he gives us peace of mind and peace in our hearts. Because our minds just tend to go and go and go, and we just make up stuff to be worried about. He says, listen, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, that's like that all thing we said earlier. There's no loophole here for worry. In every situation, give it to God with thanksgiving, turning our attention in worship to God, thanking God that he is trustworthy, thanking God that he's good. In every situation, do that. He'll give us a peace that we almost can't understand, which will guard our hearts and our minds. Here's what the message paraphrase says about that same passage of scripture. This is what it says. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions or requests and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. And before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Author Max Licato says it this way, no one can pray and worry at the same time. No one can pray and worry at the same time. Why? Because the things that we're worried about, which are here on earth, even those things that we love so intensely are ultimately secondary to the God that we're praying to. And so we can't worry about those things and pray to the God that can fix it all, that can answer the prayers at the same time. It's impossible to do. The the writer here said something interesting. He said, listen, let your worry, let your petitions, let your prayer requests become praises. He says, take the things that you're worried about and actually let that become your worship. Like take those things and just start talking to God. And reminding God about how good he is. Remember those times that you were worried about something and it didn't even happen. Remember those times that you were worried about something and God met that need. And allow that to shape your worship. But let me give you a warning. This is a warning. I said earlier, I'm not a counselor. I'm just a pastor. I don't have a lot of answers. I'm just seeking answers myself from God's word. But I've walked this journey with a lot of folks. I know a lot of people that have worried a lot about a lot of things. And I've said to them some of the things that I've said to you today, which are not new thoughts for many of us, that when you're worried, pray about it. When you're worried, worship. I've said those things. And let me just caution you here so that maybe you can avoid some of the things that they experience. Sometimes you can pray so much about your worries that you worry even more. Sometimes you can literally pray yourself into a worry circle. You start talking to God about the things that you're worried about. And you just keep talking about what you're worried about. God, you know I'm worried about this. And God, I know your word says I shouldn't worry and I, and I got to give it to you. And so I'm worried and I'm just trying to give this to you. And so God, you know that I'm worried about that. Help me not to be worried about that anymore. And you say, amen. And you know what? You're still worried about the same stuff. Now, I don't think that negates the power of scripture. I don't think that negates what the writer was saying in Philippians. I think you should pray. But I think your prayers should be less focused on your worry, 
more focused on God. I don't think you should be sitting around just talking about what you're worried about all the time. I think you just thank God that he's helping take away that worry. It says cast your worries and your cares on him. Why? Because he cares for you. And so I think you just turn your attention and say, God, I'm worried about something and I want you to know it. And I want you to know it because scripture tells me that you care about me. And if you care about me, you need to know that I'm worried about this. And so God, now I just want to thank you. And I would just turn immediately, just turn my attention towards God. And just thank God for who he is and thank God for what he's done and thank him for his power and thank him for his might. Thank him that he's good. Even if you don't know how good he is, just thank him for being good for somebody else. Even if you're not sure how good he actually is. My mama used to tell me, you just kind of fake it till you make it. I mean, you just tell God, God, some people tell me you're good. God, I've heard. I mean, they sing it at my church and I've never experienced that on my own. So can you help me to experience that for myself? And you just turn it towards God. Lift up your eyes to the hills where your help comes from. And you just keep moving. Don't stay where you're at. You just keep moving. You just keep walking it out. I texted somebody this week. They were, they were talking about some stuff going on in their life. And I said, you know the great thing about the valley of the shadow of death? It's a valley that eventually ends. And you're going to come out on the other side, but you just got to keep moving. Don't stay there. God's right there with you. He's walking with you. You just keep going. You just keep moving. You don't feel like it, but you just pick up one foot and put it in front of the other. And you just keep going. You say, God, I'm worried. I'm concerned. There's stuff here. I can't get it out of my mind. I can't get it out of my heart. But you promise me that the Holy Spirit will guard my heart and my mind. That you will not give me trouble. That you will not make me afraid. And so I know this isn't a warning. I know this is just worry. And you just keep moving. You just keep going. Because I don't want you to thank God so much that you get stuck in your worry. I want you to turn your attention towards God and away from your worry. Because I think that it's important that you can worship your way out of your worry. You can worship your way out of your worry. And then as you're in a better place, as you're kind of in a place of peace and God's working in your heart, that's when I think it's great for you then to kind of look inward and ask this question. God, why do I worry about that stuff so much? I don't think you do that in the moment because I think it probably just breeds more fear and more worry in your heart. But I think when God's kind of brought you out of that place and you're in a place of peace and rest, maybe when you're surrounded by somebody that's not just going to kind of feed that fear and that worry for you, but somebody that's going to help encourage you, go, why, why do you think I worry so much? Do you think it's a trust issue? Do you think I don't trust enough? You think it's just a fear issue? What am I afraid of? You think it's a control issue? Do I have, a tr do I have trouble allowing God to control and lead my life? But I think in the middle of your worry, you just worship your way out. You just turn your focus away from what you've been worried about and you turn your focus and turn your heart towards God. And so today I want us to do that. Right where you're seated, Sean's just going to lead us in a little chorus that many of you may know. Before we pray, we're just going to sing the prayer that I believe will release us from a lot of the things we're worried about if we really mean it. And so today, you don't have to stand up, but you can at any point that you feel like it. You can bow your head. You can allow kind of this song to kind of just be sung over you for a moment. But I want you at some point, even if it's just a whisper, to sing these words for yourself as your worship declaration to God 
about the things that you're worried about. Let's sing this together before we come back to pray. I wrote this early this morning, and I believe it's for somebody in this room. I don't know what you're worried about today, but I know that God desires to free you of that worry. And so I want you to release that worry to him and experience the freedom that you were designed for but haven't felt in a really long time. So I want you to say to him, God, I trust you with my health. God, I trust you with my future. God, I trust you with my kids. God, I trust you with my career path. God, I trust you completely. I want us to pray. And as we do, whatever those words are that you need to say to God this morning, I invite you to do that. Just to say, God, I surrender to you the fears and the worries that I have. And I ask you to help me in really healthy ways to process those. I ask you to help me to stay on watch for the sake of my family and for the sake of my health and for the sake of my future. But don't let me be consumed by worry anymore. But let me give my worry to you and my cares and anxiety to you because that's what you call me to. And God, as I do, I ask that the Holy Spirit would just give me peace, a peace that passes all understanding and that it would guard my heart my mind. Let's pray together. God, I thank you today that we can worship away our worry. I thank you today, God, that you speak about worry right up front in your ministry, that we're not left to our own devices to figure out how we should live and to figure out what we should do. But God, you specifically instruct us and you say, you know what? Worry is actually worthless. It can't add a single day to your life so God, I know that when we walked in this room, we were worried about a lot of stuff. And I realized that our concern for these issues, we, I, hopefully nothing today that I've said is about us sticking our head in the sand and avoiding good wisdom and godly wisdom. But God, help us not to be consumed by a worry that is not about acting in a way that solves the problem. God, help us to turn our hearts and our lives and our minds to you. God, replace our fear with faith. Place our worry with worship today, God, and let your peace guard our hearts and our minds today in a way that we cannot explain. It's possible because your word says it is. So God, today I pray that you would speak peace into the hearts and the minds of the people in this room who haven't felt that in a long time. We thank you, God, that you do that. God, let us trust you completely and trust you more than we ever have before. In Jesus' name we pray.